Good day to you. Welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for listening. I just wanted to share a few things today to encourage you, friend, to let you find some camaraderie in the journey that we are on. I hope that you're one who is hearing the call that the Spirit is is declaring in this hour towards coming out. You know, the scriptures tell us, come out from among them. And I've been thinking a lot again. I I did a message, I don't know, back in the spring about the story, the account of Lot and his family being called out from Sodom. Destruction was coming. Judgment was coming. And God, in his goodness, held it back for Lot and his family. He restrained his judgment that was coming. If I recall rightly, and I haven't read this for a week or so, or longer now, and so I don't want to misquote it, but I remember even from back in the spring when I, when I studied this in, in, from a unique perspective, from Lot's wife's perspective specifically, That it was just the goodness and the kindness of God to stay his hand of judgment. I believe the messenger said that like judgment's coming to this city, but it can't come until you are removed. So flee, go. We know they hesitated. We We know that they remained. And so God picked them up. His messenger's grabbed them by the arm and physically removed them from the city outside of the gates, outside of the boundaries with instructions to keep going. Keep going. Don't stop here. Don't remain here. Don't dwell here. Now, what did Lot do? He just lost his wife. The judgment of God fell upon her. I explained in great detail from her perspective. You know, she's always got such a bad rap. She's always been the poster child of bad decisions and rebellion. But I don't agree with that, that blanket approach. And in the message about Lot's wife that I did months and months ago, I examined from her perspective what she is at least possibly what she was going through. That maybe her family was there, her friends. She was feeling sadness, remorse. We don't don't often place ourselves within these accounts of scriptures as real people. We see them as bad, rebellious people, disconnected from ourselves. Foolish ones in judgment and in pride and in arrogance. And yet we don't learn the same lesson. And so I've been thinking about how God removed them from the judgment and he placed them at a certain vicinity of safety. But the command was to keep going out. But what did Lot do immediately? Hey, this land's fine. This land is good enough. Would you permit us to just dwell here? Can we just remain here? Well, the response of the angels, of the messengers, 
was basically, yeah, you can. Now, a mere elementary topical approach to this is, well, that must have been okay, permissible. They were delivered, right? Lot remained. He survived. God's hand removed him, delivered him, saved him, rescued him, right? Goal accomplished. Set up camp, dwell there. Delivered, freed. Man, I wish I wasn't driving so I could read this text and elaborate directly according to the scripture a little bit more, but let's, let's come back to that another time. There's so much within these accounts that we just breeze over. Lot, rebellious, Lot's wife, hard-hearted, stubborn, won't listen to commands of God, deserve to be turned into a pillar of salt. Good job, God. Get her, rebellious one. Oh, friends, we've got to see ourselves within these scriptures. We've got to see ourselves there. That's the whole purpose of the preserved word of God making it thousands of years into your hands, friend, is for you to learn. We must be students. I was in the library again yesterday, and I'm telling you, every time I am in a library, something in me is really stirred at the volumes of knowledge upon the shelves of these buildings. And people are just ingesting innumerable things. Culture, imagination, storytelling, history, languages, studies of civilizations um, that are long gone. I mean, we could go on for forever about topics within a natural library housed upon pages of books studying. It's just sitting there for whoever wants to come and give themselves to it. Friends, do you understand that that is the eternal purposes of God for you? Do you understand that you will you risk not being approved if you do not study? If you do not give yourself, literally give yourself to sit down and study the eternal word of God. It's no mere topical reading, friend. Two psalms a morning as you eat your breakfast is not God's intent for you. A couple chapters as you fall asleep in bed at night is not the purpose of the written word. It is alive. It is living. It is active. It is It is capable to produce much in us if and when we give ourselves to it. It will transform us. It's eternal. It was with God in God before time as we know it. And it's written upon natural pages in natural books on your bedside table. Oh, friends, don't be a, don't be a, take your, Bible to church for two hours a week, believer. It's risky, friend. You'll be ignorant. You'll be led astray. Now, what I wanted to talk about specifically this morning is this. 
I just want to give, I often talk out of great confidence. I talk about the work of God in my life, in my household. I boast in the works of the Lord with great regularity. I do do that, I know. And I'm constantly asking myself, Lord, am I, am I arrogant? Am I, am I prideful? Search me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me because I absolutely know I have the tendency to go that direction. The propensity to go into boastfulness is in me. It's in all of us. And I want to be very careful to walk in a way that is upright, a vessel of honor, yet in humility, not timidity, but humility before the Lord at all times. And I do believe, as I often say, those things can be synonymous. I think we can be humble servant men, yet mature, confident, and full of a, of a rightful tenacity towards the things of the kingdom, being declared from a natural mouth, an earthen vessel. And I was thinking this morning about what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 12, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? Why would we do that? And Now, now this, this needs to be a, a little bit elaborated on because I hear plenty of men, and I talk about this all the time as well. The, the Lord moved me out of the way prayer. The Lord moved me out of the way, God. Just get me out of your way to accomplish your purposes. Friends, this is not biblical. That approach is not biblically sound. If we were to do that, if we are to position ourselves to simply be moved out of the way by God, in our life, we are not walking in our position and function to, to even be redeemed man on the earth. Well, let me ask you, did... Did Yeshua walk in such a manner? Did he look to the Father and say, Father, move me out of the way. Do whatever you want to do. We have to be careful how we explain this and how we rightly understand it in our own thinking. How do we, how do we appropriate that truth of being a vessel, an instrument, an ambassador of a kingdom? Now, when an ambassador goes to another country, I'm no super smart guy about the governments of men, but I know enough to know that if you are an ambassador of a nation and you go to another nation on behalf of your home nation, you represent that land. You know its statutes. You know its laws. You know its mission. You know its purpose. You know the story behind it and the reason why it exists, and you are there for a purpose to advance and to share the purposes of the land that you represent. You are an ambassador of a land. You do, in fact, have a task. I mean, how foolish, even in the natural, let's use this metaphorically speaking, you are an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of the Spencer household. And I get on a plane and I fly over to Egypt. And I land and I go and I meet with people. I, I meet with the Egyptian people. And they say, Mr. Spencer, welcome. On behalf of, of the people here in our land, 
we honor you, we recognize you as an ambassador of the land of Spencer. I'm going to talk to you like I'm talking to my eight-year-old son. Tell us about your land. Tell us about your laws. Tell us about your ways. Why do you do what you do? And what do you have to tell us? Well, I don't have anything to say. I'm just a mere representative of my kingdom, of my land. I'm just a mere I'm just a mere vessel. Okay, well, how will the message of my land, of my kingdom, should there be one, get to another? How does it go? Does the Spirit of God just float about the earth, doing as He wills, without any use of man? Friends, that opposes the biblical pattern. Again, I always go back to this because it continues to shake me. When I did the What is Man series, that will forever mark my life. The What is Man series that I did back in the spring changed my life. The government of God using humanity now to execute the dominion and government of God on a natural earth has got to be reclaimed by humanity. It's got to. We have been given the right, the privilege of receiving the oracles of God, the government of God, and executing it on the earth, ruling and reigning over principalities and powers according to the authority of the name of Yahweh, the name of Yeshua, ruling and reigning in the here and now. And again, what was the challenge, what was the command of God to Adam and his bride Eve? What was their charge and command by Yahweh Eternal? Multiply. Multiply. Now the goal was not just to multiply humanity. God wasn't interested in just a whole bunch of humans covering the earth just for the sake of numbers. Well, what was his plan? What was his agenda? Cover the earth in humanity with my glory. If you've not heard teachings of Michael Heiser, I don't reference people by name very often at all. It's a risky thing. I don't side with any person in, the, in, in entirety any more than I would expect anybody to endorse every single word I ever say. But this guy, Michael Heiser, is one of these guys that's so smart, he makes your brain hurt. Even if you're a deep thinker, he will blow you away with his studies. He's more of a compiler. He takes a lot of ancient texts and modern understanding of people who literally, every waking moment of their life, study Near Eastern culture. They study biblical verbiage, the culture of, of the Hebrews and, and gain great insight into why certain things were written the way that they were. And a lot of things that he teaches on is the government of God reality. And he calls humanity imagers. Man, I love, love, love that term. Imagers. That humanity was created to be an imager of Yahweh. Now, who is, who is the Messiah? 
Who is, who is the Son? He is the image of the invisible. He's the perfect, absolute personification of the eternal, unseen spirit that is Yahweh, Elohim of Elohims. If you've seen him, you have seen the Father. The perfect imprint of God upon man. And that was God's intent, and we don't have time to get into all that, but that's why he came as a man, to redeem first Adam's fall and to give an opportunity to break and sever the bloodline lineage that came from the first Adam for anyone who would enter into the blood of the slain lamb, last Adam, Yeshua Messiah, the curse breaker, the bloodline regenerator. (laughs) Now this is crazy talk to the average Christian. We know this. And see, I'm already getting derailed. I get so stoked when I think about this multiplication of the kingdom. I can't help myself. And so I'm just going to cut that off and jump right back to what I was saying. How Paul was saying, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. And I asked the question, why? And that what I started to get to was like, we're not talking about a lowly, I'm nobody. Man, so many people in Christianity today think that lowliness and contriteness and brokenness and humility is saying you're just a nobody. I'm nothing without Jesus. Well, I am nothing without Jesus, but guess what? I'm in him. I'm in him now. I don't care about talking about what I'm not without him. I would rather talk about all that I am to be in him now. I'm a regenerated Christ man. Wouldn't it be better to talk about that segment of our journey instead of what we're not any longer or what we wouldn't be without him? I know what I wouldn't be what I would be without him. But why would we gladly boast about our weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me? So that his power might rest on me. Some versions say work through me. Friends, in myself, I have so many weaknesses. I was sharing with my wife this morning that after my prayer time, I, in, in some time yesterday sitting by a river and I, and I recorded some of the stuff I talked about, I stopped by where my wife and I were immersed the end of September. And I was just... Man, that that never-ending challenge for me to just quiet myself, to shut my mouth, turn off my thoughts, and literally posture myself in silence before my Creator. That is very hard for me. It's a weakness. My brain goes 13 different directions every second. For me, everything I see is is a gate towards a path of thought. That's a real detriment for me. It used to be towards impure things. It used to be towards an unregenerated imagination. Now, those things are old news. Those things have been in the grave for a long time and absolutely set free, drowned the drowning of my enemies in my baptismal waters. That continues to remain for me. Sin 
Man, that's old news. What, what about it? I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm regenerated. I'm born of the water, born of the spirit. Like, that's old news. That's elementary teaching, y'all. I'm not obsessed with it. It's as far as the east is from the west, and you know what? It's staying there. I'm not talking about sinful, lustful, unregenerated imaginations. I'm talking about just harnessing my thoughts. And I told the Lord this morning, God, how in the world do I submit every thought unto the headship, lordship of Yeshua? How do I take every single thought that I have captive? Lord, teach me, train me. This is a weakness for me. I feel like if I did that, if I took every thought captive, I wouldn't be able to leave my house. It would take me just sitting alone in my, in my basement or out in my barn praying all day long over every single thought in submission towards Christ unto Him because of this thought assault that I have in my mind. It's a weakness for me. I'm slow to become angry. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not slow enough to become angry. I'm boasting in my weaknesses now. I'm often not slow to become angry with my son, with my wife. I overspeak. I'm often too bent towards what is to come and big visions and these humongous things that are that I've got to go after and pursue with everything that I have that often I, I miss what's right in front of me. But I will speak to that that the Lord has really began he's begun to change that in me of the of the response living. Man, this year, well, 2019 was full of the reality of the quick response to the Spirit moving in my life and in my household. A, a conviction comes, respond. A, a revelation of the worthiness of God, respond. A call to repentance and lay down something and surrender and abandonment, oh man, respond. And friends, I'm telling you, make sure that is an attribute of your life. That has changed my life. That's changed the life of my wife. Be quick to praise. Be quick to worship. Be quick to lift your hands. Be quick to go to your knees. Be quick to confess. I believe that's the evidence of a regenerated man. A man that sees something. Now, we can't respond to something we don't see. We can't respond to something we don't yet know. But when the Holy Spirit comes, through time alone, through the eternal word, through a brother, through a dream, through a prophecy, through a thought, in all of the ways that it comes, man, stop everything and respond. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. If I, had the, if I had the restraint and like focus to write a book in this season of my life, I've got books that I started years ago. I've got two that I got, man, hundreds of pages into that I never finished. 
if I could, if I could just become more focused and more responsible, I would write something right now in great measure, in great length, about the key of response, quick response, the turning lifestyle, excuse me, the turning lifestyle that produces change. The Hezekiah call, the revelation comes, it came about suddenly when the people responded. Response. Ethiopian eunuch, revelation comes, he jumps in the water. I'm telling you, friends, we wait too long. We wait. Now, let's not be immature and emotional, but let's be spiritually led and responsive with quickness when the Spirit is asking of such things. So this morning, let's boast in our weaknesses so that the power of of Christ can work in us, through us, so it can rest upon us. I'm not afraid of my weaknesses. I'm not afraid of them. I used to hide them. I used to promote my strengths. If I show weakness, somebody's going to think I can't do this, can't do that, can't be this or be that. I need to make sure they know who I am. Friends, it's not our, it's not our power anymore. It's not our strength. It's His. When is He strong? When we're weak. He's looking for a vessel. He's looking for an instrument. He's looking for an ambassador who will say, I will take the lowest seat. I am, in my heart, I am literally full of thankfulness and pleasure by being invited to the master's table. You don't have to tell me twice to take the lower seat. Yes and amen. You'll find me at the back of the room. Because he will exalt me in his time and his way. My weakness doesn't matter. I'm not walking in my strengths anymore. Y'all, everything we do, and now I'm going to bring this to a close. Anything we do, even as regenerated Christ men, if we do anything good for the kingdom, if we're rightful ambassadors going out into the earth in power, in authority, I want to be like those men who came back with the report like they couldn't believe. Oh my gosh, even the demons are subject to us. In what? In the power of the name. I want to be like that. Like, what is this power? It's not ourselves. If we go out in our own power and our own strength, it's going to be like the other scriptural account. We're going to get a spiritual butt whooping. We're going to get a spiritual whooping from the principalities and powers. They're going to say, hey, I know Yeshua, but you, you better, you better sit down, friend. You're about to take it. I don't want to be that way. I think that's a rightful depiction of walking in our own strength. But when we go out with a faith now, with a proper understanding established in faith of the power that's in the name of Yeshua, we're going to be overcomers. Why? Blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. We will not love our lives unto death, and we will therefore be rightful ambassadors of a kingdom that is just, oh man, it is longing to be released into this earth. I'm telling you, I can feel creation groaning. I can feel it saying, please, 
Lord, please redeem us. Redeem the work of your hands. I'm telling y'all, New Jerusalem, it's knocking at the door, friends. It's knocking at the door. The church has got to wake up and realize she is sleeping. The elect are going to miss it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be found asleep with an empty lamp. I'm not. I'm not going to have an empty lamp. I will be ready to go out to meet him. Friend, will you be ready? Will you be ready to go out to meet the bridegroom? He's coming. He's coming. He's getting his, he's getting his wedding clothes on right now. He's getting his wedding clothes on right now. Friends, do you walk in that reality of that imagery? I'm telling you, is your regenerated imagination seeking the prophecies of the oracles of God in this hour? Friends, the bride is getting dressed. The remnant is getting dressed to go out to meet the bridegroom. Will you be one? Will you be her? We've got to be ready. We've got to be alert. We've got to be ambassadors of the kingdom in the here and now because the king is coming. He's coming. I'm telling you, I'm in the water. I'm standing beside John the Baptist, and I'm saying, brother, I see him too. I see him. He's coming again. He's coming. Friends, we've got to be ready. Do everything you can today to be ready. Don't you go to bed another lazy day sleeping and slumbering in the things of the Spirit. Study, pray, fast, deny yourself, deny your children games, deny them fun, set them up to be victorious overcomers in the kingdom that's coming. What if persecution comes to your house, friend? Will you survive? Will your children survive? Are they denied anything to practice for a life of suffering? Friends, we've got to prepare. We are so unprepared. The church is unprepared, friend, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to join. I'm calling, I'm calling you out. I'm calling out the church. I'm saying, this is a voice crying out in the wilderness, wake up, the king is coming. He's coming, friends. He's coming. Amen.